we're having, and um, it really is a blessing, you know, when we come together as God's people, anything can happen, it really is, and it was just, it was wonderful, you know, what's happened this morning, none of it was pre-planned, but it was ordered by God, I didn't really have any preconceived idea as to what was going to happen or take place this morning, but you know what, the Lord just guides, the Lord just leads us to move in the way that He wants us to move so that His will can be done in our lives. And I believe that's what's happened this morning. As we've laid hands on Dave and as we've laid hands on others, we go forward now into a future, hallelujah, seeing the Word of God outworked in, in our lives. Well, this morning, I want to speak to you a message that we're going to call, Your Obedience Brings Blessing to Others. Your Obedience Brings Blessing to Others. And last week, we started to look at how God uses our choices not only to bring great blessing in our lives, but also how the Lord can use our choices to bring great blessing and change in the life of others around us. And we saw how Andrew, if you remember, one of Jesus' first disciples, made a choice to go and find his brother Peter and bring him to Jesus. And that very ordinary choice that Andrew made to reach his brother Peter led to the start of a great change in Peter's life. The choice that Andrew made was very mundane, we said. It was very ordinary, very matter-of-fact. He just decided, after understanding who Jesus was, to go and reach his brother Peter. It was just an ordinary, everyday choice. But that ordinary, everyday choice that Andrew made to reach his brother Peter led to incredible change in Peter's life. Great changes began to occur in this life of Peter as a result of a very ordinary choice that Andrew made. And I believe that John included it in his gospel for us to see and for us to understand because the everyday choices, the mundane decisions that we make every day in relation to other people's lives, when authored and inspired by the Holy Spirit, can bring about great change in their lives, can bring about great fruitfulness. That's exciting. It really is to know that your life can be such a blessing, to know that your life, at the end of your obedience, there can be so much blessing for another person that we don't just live self-contained life, lives. We don't just, you know, concentrate on our own needs all the time. I don't ever want to live like that. Just self-contained, just selfish living, just thinking about me and mine. No, I want my life to extend beyond the borders and the boundaries of my own life to reach out to other people's life. That lives, that, that's what's exciting to, to think that my obedience might result in somebody else getting blessed by God. That's a wonderful thing. It really is to know and to experience. We see that Peter was greatly blessed by the Lord as a result of Andrew's decision when we jump forward into his future. Because just a few years after meeting Jesus, the Lord used Peter in an incredible way to reach untold numbers of people. God used Peter's life in the most amazing ways. But way before, way before any of the great things that Peter did for God, Andrew, Andrew, the unknown, the unspectacular, 
the man that didn't have a prominent name in lights, Andrew, made a choice to find his brother, to reach his brother, to bring his brother to Jesus. He didn't force him, didn't coerce him, didn't say with a big placard, if you don't, this is going to happen. It's just an everyday, normal, gentle, excited, expectant conversation to bring his brother to Jesus. A very ordinary, mundane decision was made by Andrew. But that choice that Andrew made had a vital part to play in the big picture that Jesus had for Peter. We never really read much about Andrew speaking to large crowds like Peter did. We never really hear that Andrew became a prominent leader in the church like Peter did. But Andrew, Andrew was the right person at the right time at the beginning of Peter's journey that Peter needed. Peter needed his brother to be that bridge, to be that connector to Jesus. Behind the scenes, it was Andrew that was used to help get his brother connected to Jesus. And I, I honestly think when I read about this in John's Gospel, and oh, it's only a few lines at most, but when I read about this in John's Gospel, I believe that there's a great message for all of us to understand from Andrew's life. Because whilst Andrew may never have been used like Peter, he brought people to Jesus one at a time. He, he may not have spoken to thousands of people, but he reached the one person that did, you see. He was trusted with the immense privilege, and it is an immense privilege to be trusted to go on God's behalf and reach the life of another person and bring them to Christ, to be instrumental in those beginning moments of their life, to be trusted, to be called by God, to be sent out into the world, into your workplace, into your homes, amongst your extended friends and family, to be trusted, to reach them for Christ. Andrew brought his brother and on beyond his brother, he brought others. He brought others to Christ. That's what his life was about. And it might seem in the grand scheme of things very unspectacular, but not to Andrew. Why? Because he loved people. He just loved talking to people. He just loved being a connector. He just loved being a bridge. He just loved going out into life, sharing the good news about Jesus. He didn't have to have his name in lights. He didn't have to be someone in order to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God for his life. He just had to be Andrew. Faithful. Looking for others. And he reached them. And though he might not have been the prominent person or the big name, he was faithful to his brother, and his brother went on to do far, far greater things than he would ever do, but I really believe that Andrew was secure, and he rejoiced for the wonderful way in which God used his brother, and it was completely different to the way in which God used him, but God used him nonetheless. God used him nonetheless. Never, ever discount your part in God's work within the church 
or within the world. It might not seem as big as somebody else, but never discount the work that God has given to you. Because if you're faithful to and obedient to walk out and do what He's called you to do, God is pleased. And that is all we need over our life is the pleasure and the favor of God. Irrespective of how big or how small the work might be, it matters not. It really doesn't. I believe that Andrew was just... I believe... When, when Andrew saw all the wonderful things that went on in Peter's life, I believe he just maybe sat back and thought, do you know what? I had a little part to play in that. I had a little part. I was there at the beginning. I was the one that connected him. And look what he's doing now. He wasn't envious. He wasn't jealous. He wasn't thinking, oh, if only my name could have been Peter. If only I could have stood up in front of all of those thousands of people and seen them one to Christ. If only I... No, I, I just believe Andrew was this, this genuine, hearted man that just loved to have a part in other people's lives. I believe he was just overjoyed about the success that his brother had in the great things that he did for God and his kingdom moving forward. Now, this morning, we're going to look at, as we move on, we're going to look at how God again used another very ordinary person who was, in every way, unknown. He was an unknown name, and yet God used him to do something hugely significant in the life of another. He was a disciple by the name of Ananias. And Ananias, in a vision from God, was called to reach out to one of the most fierce enemies in the early church, Saul of Tarsus. That's what God called Ananias to do. And in Acts chapter 9, we're going to read it in a moment. In Acts chapter 9, yet again, God chooses to use someone that had no prominence, no position. He was just out there faithfully being a disciple in Damascus, just praying, just keeping his heart right before Jesus, just serving the Lord and being part of his body his church in Damascus. He was an unknown. He was unnamed. And yet God, on this day, chose him to reach out to a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. And what we're going to see in the big picture of Saul's life is God would use this unknown man, Ananias, to be at the beginning of Saul of Tarsus' journey with Jesus, who, would, who we would later know as the great apostle Paul. Ananias was chosen by God to be instrumental in the beginning moments of this great man's life who would go on to do incredible things for God. Saul of Tarsus who we would later know as the Apostle Paul would go on to do immense things. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 9. We're going to start verse 10 through to verse 22. It says this. Now, just if you back up a few verses, you'll see that Jesus had already dealt with Saul of Tarsus while he was traveling to Damascus to break up the church and persecuted it persecuted. Jesus had already met Saul of Tarsus on the D Damascus road and confronted him in his glory. He got hit off his horse and he was blinded and he was led by others to Damascus and he's in a house waiting for further instructions from God. That's the backdrop of what we're going to read. Acts chapter 10 verse 9 through to uh, sorry, chapter 9 from verse 10 through to verse 22 says this, Now there 
was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many things about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went on his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he rose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, for uh, that he is the Son of God, that all, then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name in Jerusalem, on this name in Jerusalem, and has, and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. What an incredible testimony that we find here in God's Word. And this account in Acts chapter 9 is among one of the great testimonies in God's Word that we see where the Lord Jesus reaches out to one person through another to save them and to help and serve them. And again, it's a testimony of how a very ordinary person, Ananias, was called by God to do something incredible and extraordinary in the life of this man named Saul who we now know as Paul. And what I love when I read this story, much like the story about Andrew, is that Ananias' life, Ananias as a person, wasn't prominent. He didn't have any kind of, you know, great spiritual heritage. He was just a disciple serving God in Damascus. He didn't have a long list of qualifications to qualify him for the call and the demand that God placed on his life to reach out to Saul. He just was available and open and ready to be obedient. He loved, first and foremost, Jesus. He loved people, and he knew the power of God to change life. He knew about the power of God to change somebody's destiny and somebody's life. And on this day, God called him to reach out to one of the most fierce persecutors of the early church, and Ananias knew full well the intentions of Saul. He had come to destroy the church. He had come to imprison 
God's people, and he had the legal right to do it. So it's safe to say that nobody was volunteering to visit Saul of Tarsus. He might not have been number one on the prayer list for God to save. I think it would be safe to, to argue that this was way outside of everybody's expectation for God to do anything great through this man's life. God could never save a man who is, who is so aggressive and so violent against the purpose of God in the building of the church. God could never reach a man like this. Surely God would have to judge a man like this. Surely God would have to deal swiftly with such an aggressive, violent man who, was, who, was, who had such a destructive plan in mind to destroy God's work. Nobody was volunteering to reach the man that was throwing Christians into prison and persecuting them and seeing them die, be put to death under his hand. And even when Ananias heard God's word to him, initially the the idea that God had wasn't the idea that Ananias had. Initially, Ananias may have thought that God's idea wasn't a very good one that day when he heard about how God wanted him to go and reach this man. Ananias struggled to understand God's thinking. He struggled to piece the plan together. And Ananias' fear of Saul, just like everybody else's fear of Saul, was very real. First, Ananias tried to suggest to God that it might not be the best idea. He might not be the best candidate to choose and to save by saying in verse 13 and 14, these words, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. What's happening? Ananias is struggling. Ananias is responding with an objection. And a very real objection that's based on truth. In fact, Ananias is being honest with God because he's afraid. He is afraid to do what God is telling him to do. He's afraid to go where God is telling him to go because Ananias had heard many bad things about Saul. And all of those many things suddenly rose up, I'm sure, in Ananias' mind. Suddenly, his mind began to recall all of the conversations of all of the many things that people had told him about Saul of Tarsus. And all of these many objections suddenly rose up when God called Ananias to do what he was to do. I love the honesty of the Bible. I love how it doesn't discount important parts like this. He was afraid. He was afraid to go. He was afraid to reach the man that God was telling him to reach. Just like Ananias, there are times in all of our lives when we are afraid to share our faith. We are afraid 
to speak about the wonderful good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's times in all of our lives just like that. Because very often we remember the many things. The many things in the person's life that we are sent to reach. And those many things can become a barrier. Those many things can become a hindrance. And those many things, if we listen to them, can actually cloud our judgment, hinder our way, and actually, actually drown out the voice of God. Drowned out what God is telling us to do in relation to the person or the people He wants us to reach. But when God chooses a person, His unconditional love doesn't look at the many things, the many negative things that are stacked up in a person's life that have been spoken out by others. He didn't look at the many things in your life that were a barrier, and He didn't look at the many things in my life either that were a huge barrier. No, He just goes through all of those many things with His unconditional love, and He reaches out to us, and He saves us by His grace and His goodness, His mercy, and His love. God had chosen Saul of Tarsus, even though people were rejecting Saul of Tarsus and seeing him as an enemy. And it's almost inconceivable for us to think about, but even though this man had done much harm, even though there were, there were wives without husbands because of this man, husbands without wives because of him, even though families had been torn apart and people had been imprisoned, punished, and even killed because of this man, God stands up in the face of it all in relation to all of the many things that would have condemned Saul of Tarsus, and He says, He's my chosen vessel. Now, if you can work out the choosing of God, I tell you now, you'll never do it. You can't work out why He's chosen you, and I can't certainly work out why He's chosen me. He's amazing. Can I tell you a little secret? But you've got to promise you don't tell anybody. It doesn't go out of this room. Do you promise? Quick promise. Promise? I remember having a conversation with the Lord. I was in the kitchen in my house. And, you know, I was just struggling a bit. I was on my own. I said this to the Lord. And He waits for you to get to these moments. This moment didn't catch Him by surprise. He was waiting for me to meet me at the moment that I got to. I was struggling. I said this, Lord, I cannot think of one good reason why you chose me to be pastor of the King's Church. Not even one. I can't think of one. There's not one reason. I can't think of a good reason why you chose me to be pastor of the King's Church. Then I waited in silence. And do you know what he said? That's why I chose you. That's why I chose you, Sam. Because there is no good reason, Dave. There isn't one good reason why I chose you, Dave. Not one. That's why I chose you, son. And I've never forgotten that conversation with God. Every time I tried to think of a good reason why I should be pastor in the King's Church, guess what? I can never think of one. Hallelujah. And I've got God's Word to confirm it. 
You see, see, God's choice is God's choice. It really is. There is no good reason. There is no good reason. There's many reasons why you wouldn't choose me. And I could think of a couple myself. But God is sovereign in his choosing. And all of the many things that were stacked against the apostle Paul, God discounted. Let me tell you now, irrespective of what seems to be stacked against you, doing what God has called you to do, it may be many things, many, many, many things. It matters not if God has chosen you. What God has decided will be done. Hallelujah. And that's what we see happening here. Many things stood in the way, but God's choice for Saul remained. That's what remained. God led Ananias to reach out to this man. And what I, what I love is the honesty of his fear, the honesty of his objections, but also the testimony of his obedience. Hallelujah. Because he didn't just stay in fear. He didn't just remain bound by the many objections that, that, that his mind and his heart were filled by. There was an availability in this man. There was an obedience in this man's heart and a faith that rose up within him that enabled him and empowered him to go beyond his objections. The Lord said to Ananias, go. And in verse 17, we read these words, and Ananias went. Oh, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. God says, go. Go to the person that you're afraid of. Go to the person that has many things that have been said about them that are bad. Go to that person. And in spite of all of his objections, in spite of all of his fears, in spite of all of the, all of the negativity that was surrounded around the life of Saul of Tarsus, the Bible says, and Ananias went. Hallelujah. That's faith right there. That's faith. You know, sometimes we can be educated above our obedience. We don't need education. We just need simple faith and a simple decision and a choice to go and let it, let it be done. What I love about Dave's testimony, battling with cancer, having everything thrown against him and standing up in prison and preaching the Word of God. And he still got plans in his heart today to continue to, continue to do God's will and work in the future. He's not giving up. Neither is Stella. They're standing in faith, planning, planning for the future. That's, that's, that's the faith that God requires of all of us. Ananias went. That's such a great spirit of obedience. His faith moved him beyond all of the mental objections that tried to hold him back as he reached out to Saul. He went to the house where Saul was staying, and the first words this is beautiful. We've read them. The first words out of Ananias' mouth to Saul were the words, Brother, Brother Saul. Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the church, was no longer an enemy to Ananias. He was no longer the persecutor and the one that had come to destroy. He was a brother now to Ananias because the Lord had worked even on Ananias's heart, and faith and obedience had empowered Ananias to do God's work in this man's life. Ananias believed the Word of God above all of the opinions that were stacked against him, 
above all of the negative messages that had been sent out as a barrier against Saul. Ananias believed God's Word. He chose to listen to God instead of all of the many objections that were very real, that were very much a part of his mind and his thinking. He turned his back on them. He walked by faith. He went. He went. He laid his hands on Saul, and he called him brother, brother Saul. Think about those words beyond this meeting today, brother Saul. This was an enemy, very real enemy, very aggressive man. And sometimes it takes us years to even get to the place where we can, where we can forgive somebody, where we can reconcile with somebody. Think about the character of this man, Ananias, to really believe God's Word and to say, do you know what? I'm putting all of those many things behind me. I'm not going to keep record of any wrong. And it would be Paul or Saul of Tarsus who would later write those very words, love keeps no record of wrongs. I wonder, I wonder if that was formulated here, right at the beginning. How this man kept no record of wrongs in relation to Saul of Tarsus and what he had done. He kept no record of wrongs. And on beyond him, the church didn't keep any record of wrong in relation to Paul's life because they recognized that God had chosen him. This is a huge thing. You know, we, we, we can read about it so quickly in our Bibles and pass on behind it, be, beyond it. It's a massive thing that, that happened. God chose a man, converted him and changed him and used him as an incredible blessing to untold numbers of people. And Ananias was all there at the beginning in those moments to help see it through. Ananias' choice to reach out to Saul in obedience to the Word of God resulted in great blessing in Saul's life. You see, the choices that you make in relation to other people's lives around you can result in great blessing. One conversation, one word inspired and authored by God can result in great blessing in people's life. Great change came to Saul's life as a result of the decision that Ananias made when he went to visit him in Judas's house on the street called Straight. On that very day of meeting Ananias, Saul received his sight. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately he was baptized in water. And after that very day, Saul began to preach the Word of God about Jesus powerfully in the synagogues. And great, great changes were beginning to occur as God raised this, this man up, this unlikely man up to be a mouthpiece for him. Much of the New Testament that we read today was written by the Apostle Paul. Imagine that. In fact, over two-thirds of the New Testament, they say, was written by this man who tried to destroy the church, who tried to level it to the ground. But because God had chosen him, and he had to suffer many things, but he stood before kings, he stood before nobles, he stood before all levels of people, high and low, taking the good news of the gospel into his world. Because God chose him. This man did incredible things for God. The Apostle Paul 
But long before God used the Apostle Paul, he sent a very ordinary man, a man by the name of Ananias, to reach out to help him and to be there for him in the beginning moments of his life. The message to all of us from both Ananias' life and Andrew's life is for us to take those everyday opportunities that God gives us with people. There's opportunities all around us every day. And in very ordinary ways, in very unspectacular ways, through our lives, God is going to reach out to others. And great blessing and fruitfulness is going to begin in the lives of other people as a result of just simple everyday choices, conversations that we have and make with the people about us. Take those opportunities on beyond today. Be aware of them. There's many people around us that need, they need, they're in great need. They might be smiling. They might be bragging about the great life they've got. But behind the well-dressed rehearsal, there's a breaking heart. There's a needy mind that Jesus wants to help and save and make new. And you're going to be the voice. You're going to be the person that God uses. You really are. God used Ananias, and I'm going to bring this to a close in a few moments. God used Ananias and Andrew just a few times, really, from what we read about in the Bible. But the people that they served went to the ends of the earth. The people that God used them to help and bring on, they did incredible things. And I think as time went on, and Ananias, just like Andrew, must have thought about those first beginning moments where God sent him to be obedient and to reach out to Saul of Tarsus. He must have thought back, I am so glad that I moved beyond my fear. I am so glad now that I moved beyond those many objections to reach this man. Because look at how God is using him to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. See, it matters not whether God uses you in big things or small things. There aren't any big things or small things. If God uses you, it's a big thing. It's all big. Just to be trusted with the life of one person. Who knows what that person is going to do through your, through your influence, through your conversation, through your help and wisdom to them. It's exciting to realize this. To live in this way, there's no other way to live than to go out into the world every day and think, Lord, who am I going to encourage today? Who am I going to bless today? I have been blessed with new life. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in this world. God is for me. Who can be against me? Look out, world. Here I come. Here I come. I'm just going to be one big blessing today. The message of my life, whoever meets me, they're going to be blessed. They're going to be ministered to. They're going to be encouraged. They're going to be brought maybe just one step closer to Jesus. Maybe by a smile, a greeting, a helping hand. I don't know what it's going to be, but I tell you what, I'm just going to help. Be a blessing and go about doing good just like Jesus did. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.
I'm ask, asking the musicians and singers right now just to, uh, just to come up. There's people all around us every day that Jesus is wanting to reach. And He's wanting to reach them through you and I. A choice, just one choice, to follow His lead can result in great blessing for another person that He sends us to. And that's how we want to live. That's how I want to live. That's how I want to walk through this world. I'm going to pray right now. And you may know of people that God wants you to reach out to. They've been on your mind. You've been praying for them. You've been looking for an opportunity to speak to them. It may be a person, just one person. It could be in your family. We say this often. But again, I believe in this, in this short series of messages, I believe that the Lord is stirring it up again in our hearts. And it's always going to be at the heart of our church here to reach out into our world. We're never, that's never going to be secondary within the messages that we speak. There's always going to be an element that's going to be stirred up in our hearts in relation to reaching the world around us because that's why we're here. That's what makes life so fruitful and so fulfilling. Reaching out to people that don't know Jesus, taking them under our wing and under our care and discipling them. Listen, discipleship isn't, isn't a program on a Wednesday night. Turn up at 9 o'clock so that you can be discipled. No, discipleship is you and I taking care of one person who we've led to Christ and bringing them on in Christ to a place of strength where they're rooted so that they can go out into their world and make disciples. Discipleship isn't a program. Jesus didn't make disciples by saying, boys, I'll meet you down the local community center, and if you're there, you can be part of my discipleship class. He said, no. He said, come and follow me. And he went through the fields, he went over the hills, he jumped in the boat, and they went over the other side and through a couple of storms, and they, he went into, into, the, into their houses. He went into all manner of situations in life, and he taught them about life, and he discipled them. It wasn't a program, it was a whole way of life. And that's, that's what we're called to do, to be entrusted with people's lives and to bring them on and to mature them and grow them in Christ. That's why we haven't got a discipleship class as yet. Each one of you, as you go into your world, are going to conduct a discipleship class with the people that you meet. You're going to take them into your house and you're going to leave, and it's the most fulfilling thing in the world. Hallelujah. It really is. I want to read to you one last scripture to encourage some of you this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, just before I pray, verse 58, it says this, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, some of you, I, this word is really apparent for some of you. It's appropriate for some of you because, do you know what? You've been laboring with people for a long time. You've been praying for them, and you have been believing God, that God would save them. And sometimes, you know, you, you wish that they had already made that decision to follow Christ, and it's been years for some of you. God says to you, be encouraged, stand firm. Don't be moved, even though you don't see any signs of salvation. Even though you don't see any positive signs of them turning to the Lord, stand, don't be moved, be encouraged. Your labor for the Lord is not in vain. That means it will not be unproductive. It will produce fruit. Every word, every conversation, every, every, every aspect 
of, of your work and labor with that person or those people will bear fruit according to the Word of God. Stand firm in your, in your faith. Don't be moved. Every conversation on behalf, that, uh, every conversation that you've had with others on behalf of the Lord will bear fruit because the Spirit of God will take care of that. You're just the seed sower. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pray right now. Lord, I thank you for your precious people. Lord, I thank you that there are people all around us every day. There are opportunities. There's opportunities that, that you bring our way. Help us to see them. Help us to take hold of them. Lord, sometimes we're afraid. Oh, we're afraid to go. We're afraid to, to speak. Would you help us and empower us, Holy Spirit, to stand above those fears? Lord, sometimes we feel bombarded by many objections that come to mind in relation to the people that you send us to. Lord, help us, just like Ananias, to be obedient, to move beyond those objections and to see the power of your Spirit do His work in the people that you send us to. In Jesus' name, we ask it for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Are you ready to go from this place? Are you ready to go from this place with an expectation to meet people who are ready to receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because I'm telling you now, right? Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. And yes, the rejection is very real. But you will. You will find people with open hearts ready to receive the Word of God. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's give Jesus a shout of praise. We're going to be led and we're going to sing as we go from this place this morning. God bless you.